Welcome to Talking Biotech, the podcast dedicated to exploring the latest advancements in biotechnology, sponsored by Calabra, the R&D software that accelerates scientific discovery with AI. Each week, we'll dive into the latest innovations and discoveries with industry leaders and pioneers. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin Fulta. Welcome to the Talking Biotech Podcast. It's a weekly podcast about agriculture and medicine with an emphasis on biotechnology and the good things it can do for people and the planet. I'm Kevin Fulta. I'm your weekly podcast host, uh, also a professor who studies molecular biology and the su- subject of genetic engineering. Today's topic, we're going to talk a little bit about some surprising limiters of farmer choice. Now, as you know, if you listen to the podcast, I'm all for farmer choice, growing using whatever production system you find fits your land, your interests, your talents, and your economic sustainability. And I'm happy that people do organic farming. I'm happy that people do conventional or genetic engineering, whatever. The problem that I have is when we start to see farmers maligning each other and criticizing each other's systems unfairly so saying that maybe they're not as safe or that they're not as sustainable or that they're more or even dangerous to consumers who ultimately will eat the food and today we're going to talk about somebody who maybe is causing some problems that surprise me and that is farm aid and to discuss farm aid we're speaking with an old friend michelle miller the farm babe how's it going michelle it's going good. How about you, Kevin? It's real nice uh, to to talk to you again. You were on a long time ago, maybe, I don't know, almost two years ago now. That was a lot of fun. It was. I know. It's great to connect with you again. <laughs> yeah, it's good. And, you know, uh, you know, full disclosure, Michelle and I speak frequently. So this is, uh, it's, it's nice to have her on the podcast. So here we go. Um, you recently were at Farm Aid. And uh, w- historically speaking... What are your perceptions of farm aid? Just when someone brings it up, what do you think about when someone says that? So farm aid is this concert that's put on every year with Willie Nelson and John Mellencamp, Neil Young, Dave Matthews, all these great celebrities. And it's this organization that states that they help farmers. So they claim it's this non-for-profit when the average person goes, it's basically they believe that it's to celebrate farmers. And it donates money to help farmers. And it's this organization that claims that they donate and help farmers in need and in crisis. That's kind of the basis of it. But when you think about it, I know that when they first did this back in the 1980s, I was in college. And it seemed to be a very positive, a you know, willingness to help all farmers who are in crisis. Um, but you recently attended the Farm Aid concert in Wisconsin, right? Yeah, it was at Alpine Valley, which isn't too far from me. And you're right. You know, when I talk to other people that go way back to when Farm Aid began in the 80s, it seemed like it was a pretty good organization. Um, but now when I attended, it's got a much different tone was pretty disappointing because 
when you really kind of dig in on it and what they're saying, um, I had a media press pass, so I was able to listen to the press conference. They had a farmer panel, um, and a lot of the celebrities were on stage and some of the spokespeople from Farm Aid. But when you listen to what they were saying, it really wasn't that truthful, particularly when it comes to larger scale farmers. And so they, but they claim, you know, that we promote the family farm and we're here to rescue and help the family farm. Mm -hmm. But, you know, 95% of farms are family farms that still are corporations because you incorporate for lots of reasons for liability and tax reasons. But, but do they really support the family farm or certain family farms? Yeah. So that was, I think the big problem is that they're going on about, for example, the the farmers that they had on the panel were all very small, organic, more like hobby type farms. And there's nothing wrong with that, except their sentiment towards larger farms was very inaccurate. And there was you know, people were showing up with these F bear and F Monsanto shirts and stop factory farming and all of this stuff. But you're right. The actually the latest statistics are that 98% of farms are family farms, according to the USDA. And so as a farmer myself, I mean, we're a little bit on the larger scale, but we're still a family farm. So I think this misinformation they were spreading, that's like, you know, basically, if you aren't a small organic farmer, you're nothing. And it was really disappointing. Well, are you a factory farm? <laughs> well, and, and how do you define that, right? Um, if somebody wants to define a factory farm as, say, maybe a CAFO, um, we would not be. I think we're more of a medium-sized farm. We raise maybe like 400, four to 500 beef and lambs a year. So we're definitely not huge. But we're not a small hobby either. I mean, we do this for a living full time. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, we grow GMOs, right? So they're sitting here railing against GMOs. And Neil Young went on this horrible rampage about how farmers all need to be doing sustainable practices. And, you know, the soil's just being destroyed and all this stuff. And I just wanted to bang my head against the wall because I'm like, wow, you guys really need to talk to some large-scale farms because they're still family farms that care. They still care about the soil and sustainability. So it really was a lot of misinformation. Well, it seems to be that old trope of if you can equate it with factory or big, that that equals bad. Yeah. And it seems like that that this isn't about family farms. This is about farms that they find palatable because they fit that, you know, red barn and green tractor image and guy in overalls. Right. And so so really that seems to be much more where this is heading that, um, you know, that that they're not supporting farmers. They're supporting a political agenda that really is designed to. Um, change the perception around certain kinds of farming. Yeah, 100%. They want to have this romantic imagery, uh, exactly like you said, that a lot of people have, but that's just not the way it works anymore. I mean, if somebody wants to have that, that's fine, but 1% of the population are responsible for producing food and, and fiber for 100% of everybody else. So, the reality is that technology makes it where farmers can produce more with less and we have better equipment and technology. And 
Yeah, it's just crazy how far we've come. And I think that's a story that really needs to be told more and celebrated. But did you see a lot of celebration there in terms of especially the areas of, say, genetic engineering? You know, the people in attendance, were these farmers or were these uh, city dwellers from Chicago who made their way up? (laughs) Yeah, no. And that was the part that was so sad is because I feel like a lot of the people that attended were just your average person that are already far removed from agriculture. And now they feel even more far removed because they're more misinformed than they were when they started. So during the press conference, when Neil Young was going on his rant, if you go on my Facebook page or in the article, I wrote an article about it. You can, you can listen to the audio, but afterwards, Tanya Tucker stood up and she was like, wow, I had no idea. I'm so informed now. And I just wanted to bring my head against the wall because I'm like, no, you're only hearing one side of it. And when you look at, I guess, who funds, like who does the funding and the main sponsorship for Farm Aid, it is these organic food corporations. Last year, Chipotle was one of the biggest sponsors. And if anybody knows anything about Chipotle, they're no friend to American farmers. And so, yeah, I mean, I think people are really well-intentioned, but then they go there and they just have this feeling like, if you're not small and organic, you're destroying the earth. And it it broke my heart. Well, you know, there's a lot of criticism here, but was there anything good that happened during that concert or the, or the, or the associated uh, press conferences? So the one good thing that I think Farm Made did a good job on was highlighting the dairy crisis. Farms nowadays are really struggling, whether that's dairy or beef or commodities. A lot of farms are not going to be turning a profit this year. And again, this kind of goes back to the whole political. I hate to say that farmers are kind of like political pawns, but like we kind of are, unfortunately. So you've got the tariffs, you've got overproduction, you've got all these issues that are affecting farmers and their ability to be profitable. So Wisconsin has lost 1,700 farms, dairy farms, in the last three years. So what Farm Aid did was kind of raise awareness on that and um, just talked about the struggles of today's American farm. And so I think there was a lot of truth to what they said there, but it was very dairy focused. I almost wish like they would have talked about the struggles of all different types of farms and not just dairy. It's it's hard for a lot of us right now, including us, even though we're not dairy. It's just hard all around. So I was glad to see that they talked about that a little bit and helped people understand the struggles. Well, you think that they would, especially because of the political motivations, especially of guys like Neil Young and Willie Nelson. You know, the the uh, soybean tariffs that have been handed mm-hmm. down from up top certainly did affect family farm. I mean, how I mean, they certainly affected you. I mean, uh, yeah. you guys grow some soy. So how did the low prices in soy and tariffs affect folks who are the kind of small family farms like you? Oh, it's been horrific. <laughs> And, you know, it, it breaks my heart. You know, my boyfriend is Doug, who you've met a couple times. Um, and, you know, he works really hard. And, you know, I, I help him on the farm. But to be honest, he does a vast majority of the work. And to see him raise, you know, four or 500 animals, farm 2,200 acres. I mean, we're like a medium-sized farm, you know. But it's still a pretty good-sized farm. And that's all he does. And that's all he knows. And to know that he's probably not going to turn a profit this year. In fact, he won't. And that breaks my heart. In fact, I was just crying yesterday. He just got 
a bill in the mail for his um, soybean head for his combine. And he called the guys and he said, it was 80 hours worth of labor to fix my soybean head. And it wasn't even, there wasn't anything wrong with it. He just kind of wanted it serviced, like a little tune up because we're getting into harvest here now. Mm -hmm. And the overhead costs, and then to get an unexpected $9,000 bill, just to think about that money. I mean, it just makes me sick. He's losing money. Dairy farms are losing money. It's just bad all around. What were some of the other central messages by the performers? You mentioned Neil Young, but you didn't go too much deep into what he said. And what were some of the other performers uh, espousing to the audience? Yeah, I mean, pretty much the same thing. I mean, Neil Young was the one that went on the longest, you know, several minute long rampage. But most of them were just like, yeah, we got to stop factory farming and um, support family farms. And it's like, but... 98% of us are family farms and just because we are not a small hobby farm, I mean, it's like any farmer can do a great job. In fact, some of the larger scale farms are the ones that have the economies of scale where they might be able to do an even better job than the smaller farm. You know, you really don't know. It boils down to management and, you know, expertise and technology. I mean, there's so many different things that boil down to what makes a farmer good or sustainable or whatever buzzword you want to use. When we come back from a break, we'll talk more about the farm aid position on genetic engineering. And uh, we'll do that with the farm babe, Michelle Miller. We'll be back in just a moment. Greetings, talking biotech aficionados, and thank you for listening to the Talking Biotech Podcast. Thanks to you. You've written great, wonderful reviews on iTunes, and it's quite a beacon to the podcast surfer. Shows your amazing support for this mofo of a science show. And special thanks to you who dared to accept my challenge and got that talking biotech tattoo. It's appreciated, but guess what? That tattoo lasts a really long time. It's my hope that someday, a few decades from now, we can look at your dermal commitment to a science podcast and ridicule you for defacing your flesh. Our hope is that your days in assisted living will use that tat as a conversation starter, reminding the elderly of the dark ages when science was shunned for flashy marketing and myth that placed fear over reason. However, with the support of so many listeners, we're moving innovation to application and helping people and planet along the way. So, tell a friend, write a review on iTunes, and most of all, share the beautiful science that we learn from the expert guests that kindly share their expertise here on the Talking Biotech Podcast. And now we're back on the Talking Biotech Podcast. We're speaking with the farm babe, Michelle Miller, and we're talking about farm aid. And really, uh, something that I always perceived to be this really positive um, organization that gave money to farmers who went on hard times. But it turns out that they're actually just a way to disperse dollars that are collected at these um, donations and these really large events that claim to be 
farmer friendly when really they're just serving a small fraction of farmers and uh, even in those cases um only if they seem to meet certain criteria through their nonprofits, and we'll talk about that in a minute. So, um, Michelle, you know, and again, not to be too negative, one thing I read about them is that they do have a good non um, uh, a good crisis line, and that the crisis line is there to provide financial advice, emotional advice, legal advice. Um, so, you know, that's not such a bad thing, right? Yeah, you would think so. <laughs> um, and I had the same opinion as you did, too, um, really having high hopes and wanting to learn more about this. But unfortunately, it's really sad because I have searched high and low to talk to any farmers that they have helped. And so I've written two articles about Farm Aid on my column, and I've done numerous posts about all of this across all my social media channels. And between these posts that I've done... I've reached nearly 2.5 million people, and I have asked anybody, please come forward if Farm Aid has ever helped you. And so when I was at Farm Aid, because I was in the media room, the uh, people that were kind of running that area said, hey, they would come up to us in the media and say, hey, do you guys want to interview a farmer? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. They said, well, good. We've got like 120 plus farmers here waiting that, you know, we're, are here for the media that you can interview them. And I was like, great, can I talk to like a farmer that you've helped? I would really love to tell the success story of like how you guys have helped farmers and talk to one of these farmers face to face. They didn't have a single one. They could not come up with a single farmer that they've helped. Now, since I've done these posts and these articles, I really want to love this organization. I really do. I, farmers need all the help they can get. Unfortunately, only one farmer has come forth and said that they helped them, which was, I think, about 15 years ago, she said. They had given them $500 to help with medical bills when she had become injured and couldn't run her farm properly. Um, so that was a little something. Other than that, I have received numerous emails, messages, in-person conversations. I was just at the World Dairy Expo this past weekend in Madison, Wisconsin. And all these farmers have come forth and said, I have called these crisis hotlines. I have called Farm Aid. I have asked for help. And they just keep moving them around. We'll call this number, call that number, just kind of scooting them around. And, and they're never getting any answers. So it's like, if you really are helping farmers, if you really care, why do they feel like they can't get a direct answer? How come you can't find farmers that they've helped? How come of the 120 plus farmers at Farm Aid, not a single one of them was a farmer you helped? Like if you were in front of a media room and you wanted to tell the good word about your organization, don't you think that a farmer at least one of 120 would say, yes, I love Farm Aid. They helped me in a time of crisis. This line is great. Cannot find any information. Cannot find farmers that they're helping. Instead, I'm just getting frustration. Frustration after frustration after frustration. And it breaks my heart because I just want to love this organization. Well, what about the grants, though? I mean, how many grants go to farmers? That's a great question. <laughs> I think it had said on their website something like it, it, it. I don't know if they even can. 
well, where does the money go? Well, let me uh, tell you what I know on this. It says Farm Aid cannot provide grants to individual farmers for commercial operations. Um, it's an IRS rule. And yeah. so they can't provide money to farmers. They can do some disaster relief, and it appears they've done a nice job there at times. Um, but most of their grants go to nonprofits. Mm. And so there's the doorway that really allows the special interest to take over because the funds are going to, um, you know, st very specific, and I, I should have the list in front of me, but um, kind of niche areas like setting up a farmer's market for organic farmers in such a place or, you know, different programs that are geared more towards the small and hobby farmers. Right. That's exactly what it is. And, you know, even that woman that said she received $500, um, she is a very small, you know, more like a hobby type farm. But you know what else is funny, Kevin, is, you know, you see these people like Neil Young or whatever, um, rail against corporate ag and big ag or whatever, but they're wearing like cotton t-shirts that were probably produced with genetic engineering and they're spending cash made with genetically engineered cotton. <laughs> and they're I mean, don't act like they've never had a Dorito before, right? <laughs> so, so they're sitting here going, and all factory farms while they're like driving on their leather seats and wearing cotton clothes and using all of these things that, I mean, Neil Young is literally kept alive by GMO insulin, right? So it's funny when you hear them, <laughs> when you hear them railing against big egg, when it's like, no, but big egg is like, it's all around you. Like it's your entire life. It's what's keeping you alive. Like it's just so hypocritical to say, well, we can't support corporate egg when they're the exact same family farms that are keeping the world fed. I mean, we're 1% of the population. Like what do they expect? You know? Well, one of the interviews I read was with Steve Earle, who also has performed at Farm Aid over the years. And he said that it really has gone from helping farmers directly at, under its original mandate to really questions of environmental stewardship and what's in your food. Yeah. And when you look at environmental stewardship and what's in your food, it looks like really kind of a very effective fundraising platform from activist groups and folks who wish to skew marketing decisions around food production. And do you know anything about, you know, what is FarmAid's position on things like genetic engineering? I mean, are they, are they totally anti this stuff or how do they feel about it? All this information is right there on the Farm Aid website. Um, if you go under GMOs and corporate farms and, you know, they're sitting here saying that farmers are, um, they're basically making it sound like we're some type of prisoner to like certain um, companies like ag companies. But the reality is that as farmers, we have tons of choices, you know, so if farmers are choosing to buy from a bigger company. That's our decision because they make a good product, right? I mean, it's kind of like, I always relate this to other parts of our lives. Like think about it from farmers to seeds is like us with our cell phones. Like we have tons of choices, but chances are we're using an iPhone or we're using an Android. And when we go fly in an airline, we've got a lot of choices, but chances are we're United Delta or American. It's just capitalism is a part of our everyday lives. And to act like farmers should have this romantic, like backyard seed saving, it's like, that's not the way the world works. But that's very much what they put out there. And I actually called Farm Aid once years ago when I first discovered them because I wanted to learn more. Because again, on the surface, sounds like a great group. But then when you dig in on all this stuff, you're like, wait a minute, this isn't true. That's not true. This isn't true. 
So I called them and spoke to them years ago. And um, I just had a really polite conversation to try to like figure them out. And they were like, oh, yeah, I was like, you know, we're, we're GMO farmers and GMOs do great things for us on the farm. And she's like, oh, OK, well, we're updating our website. So why don't you send us some information and we'll pass it along? And then it's like I did and nothing changed. And no matter what you say or try to address things with them, it's just it falls on deaf ears. And I've heard this from numerous, numerous, numerous farmers through emails and messages and in person where they're just like, I have reached out to FarmAid. It's just like their special interest groups. If you look at, again, who does their funding, who does their sponsorship, who are their farmers on their platform? It's a lot of, um, you know, like, for example, Moses, the Midwest Organic Sustainable, um, whatever, all the, the, the acronyms. Um, they're actually really great people. I, I like Moses. I do. But they're still pushing the small scale organic and they're kind of one of their biggest partners. So when you have these, oh, you want to talk to some farmers? Sure. The only farmers that they're getting, the only voices that they're allowing to be heard are the small organic hobby farmers. But it's like, well, where's our voice? We, we don't get a voice. Well, let me uh, talk a little bit more about their website and some of their policies and when you or some of their positions and when you look at the question of are gmos safe is what they say on their website um you know they do the fair balance thing where it says well people hear conflicting industry uh information that says that they're safe but others who say that they're concerned about toxins allergens and diseases and um you know it says you know it makes it look like there are two equal voices in that room and then when you look at um, you look at this, it says major uh, federal and international agencies say it's all safe. It says, however, uh, most research is conducted and funded by big biotech industry and seed patents present major barriers to conducting independent studies, which is false. And then they put a quotation from the World Health Organization that says uh, different GMOs include different genes inserted in different ways. It means individual foods and their safety should be assessed on a case-by-case -case basis. And that's not possible to make general statements on the safety of all foods. And that's true. I mean, we all know that. Everybody knows that, and including the companies that produce them. And then the next part is about, you know, oversight, where they make it look real fl flimsy, where they say it doesn't require, the FDA doesn't require testing. It is a voluntary testing system, meaning that if you want something tested, you have to go to the FDA and oh. get and get a specific description of what will be tested. Yeah. It's there, there's no blanket series of mandated tests that they're individually done in coherence with the WHO quote that I just gave a second ago. So they make it look like something bad and nefarious when really it's not. Yeah. I think in general, it's like they always want to say GMOs aren't tested, GMOs aren't tested. So whether or not it's the FDA, whichever, there are numerous, numerous uh, groups out there that know that GMOs are safe, that pose no inherent risks. Yeah. I, but it's it's just such a common line that the anti-GMO crowd touts. It's like, oh, well, they're not safety tested. They're not regulated. And it's like the, nothing could be more further from the truth. You know, they're the most tested plant breeding methods. Well, there's a lot of other BS on here, too, that's kind of insane. Now, this is on the FarmAid website, saying we're still learning so much about genetics and that genes can survive digestion and remain active. 
really? <laughs> That's an interesting one. And uh, it's the that genes can survive digestion remain active. Okay. Um, several other countries, um, this is uh, better safeguards. And then when you look at their uh, major concerns, their biodiversity, contamination, and, um, you know, labeling. You know, so they want everything labeled. They want more regulation. So this is FarmAid saying that we need to regulate the products that our farmers choose because we we feel that there's not enough. And if you think about that, how crazy that is and mm-hmm. how that just puts more barriers in front of farmers who already are strapped for efficiencies to take away the next generation of product is really, um, really unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. Couldn't agree with you more. It's hard enough as it is. And then they sit here and say, well, we need more regulations and we need more of this and we need more of that. Well, guess, guess who's going to be able to afford to do that? Like Bayer, you know what I mean? They're sitting here railing against corporations, but aren't they just digging themselves a bigger, a deeper hole for what they don't want? No, that's, that's perfectly true. And, and, and I would urge people that as you begin to think a little bit more about this organization or in conversations with others, that, you know, keep in mind that the perception is so positive and that they're allegedly supporting farmers financially when really they're not putting out funds to specific farmers. They're funding nonprofit organizations that associate with specific types of production systems and certain types of farms. And then on top of that, or they strive to limit the technology that conventional farmers or, you know, large scale farmers, uh, large scale family farmers have access to. And so this is a really uh, rather different organization than I would have thought. Yeah, me too. And mind you, they're doing all this with full bellies and GMO cash and clothes on their backs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if anybody wants to know more about you or follow you online, where can they do that? So my website is thefarmbabe.com. Again, my name is Michelle Miller, The Farm Babe. So you can find me on Facebook by searching Farm Babe or on every other social media channel, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, YouTube, all that good stuff. And my handle is The Farm Babe. So that's pretty much all you got to do is find me. I'm also a weekly columnist with agdaily.com. That's agdaily.com. And you can find all sorts of articles. I've been a weekly columnist with them for over three and a half years. So I write a lot about agriculture and do a lot of farm tours and work to spread the good word of modern agriculture. Yeah. And you definitely are a rising star in this area. And I've really appreciated watching, you know, you grow and watching your uh, audience grow and your, your visibility grow and watch you get better and better at writing and speaking and all that good stuff too. I really appreciate what you do and appreciate you that you introduced me to my wife. Yeah, how funny is that? <laughs> I know, that's ridiculous. I had no intention of, of doing that. It's just, hey, friend, meet my friend. Oh, wow, you guys have everything in the world in common. Okay, and then I just watched it unfold. <laughs> yeah, well, th- believe me, she didn't intend it either, and neither no, did I. It was it, the funniest, uh, uh, most <laughs> random situation, but I'm so glad that I did on accident. <laughs> glad to see you guys are so happy because, yes, I completely agree You are one of the main reasons why I know as much as I do about plant breeding. You've always been one of my biggest go-tos when it comes to spreading the good word of, um, of, yeah, plant breeding and biotech and all that good stuff. We learn so much from you. And I know it can be hard sometimes, but you got a lot of cheerleaders out there that are, um, feel the same way. Thank you for the kind words. And it's 
basically right back at you with everything you're doing as well. So thank you too. Well, thank you. And thank you for listening to the Talking Biotech podcast. You know, share this one with a friend, especially someone who might be a fan of Neil Young or Dave Matthews or who else? Beyonce. I don't know. Who else is who else is <laughs> no, there? It was <laughs> Willie Nelson. But, Willie but you know Nelson, what I mean? <laughs> Luke Holmes, Tanya Tucker. Um, who else was there? Bonnie Raitt. Um, but as far as the uh, press conference, it was Willie Nelson, Neil Young, John Mellencamp, Dave Matthews, and Tanya Tucker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. John Mellencamp. That's John right. Mellencamp. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. You know, that was the good thing about the concert was the music was all right. <laughs> Blow, and bl- having a media press pass, I was like right down there, like front row center, like, you know, like what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like spitting distance or something from the from the celebrities or it's literally like right there, you know? Oh, I hope you did. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> sweating, sweating distance. I hope Neil Young can remember, you know, the Southern man don't need him around anyhow. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, thank yeah. you for listening to the podcast, everybody. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to the Talking Biotech podcast. Send your suggestions for guests, comments, or questions to talkingbiotech at gmail.com. Please write a review of this podcast on iTunes and recommend it to a friend. More downloads help us reach a wider audience with science. You've been listening to Talking Biotech, sponsored by Calabra, the platform that bridges the gap between siloed research tools. With Calabra's electronic lab notebook, scientists can work together in real time, sharing data and insights with ease. Revolutionize your research collaboration. Sign up for a demo today at calabra.app, C-O-L-A-B-R-A dot A-P-P.